Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 27 through 42. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to the, with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now please join me in prayer before I begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for allowing your people to gather this day so freely to be able to worship you, Lord. As we read in the text how the preaching, public preaching of your name caused stirs and caused um, the apostles to be arrested and beaten. Lord, Father, we are so uh, privileged to have the freedom to worship you. And Lord, help us to never forget that. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all of our members who are gathered here, those who, have, those who are away and watching in their own ways, Lord Father. May you truly uh, lift them up and, and bless them, Lord Father. And on my part, Lord, I just pray that you'll use me to speak your words of truth to your people, Lord. We thank you. In your son's Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, as I look out into the room today, I am truly amazed and thankful to God for the faces uh, that I see. God has done amazing things for our NCF community. I came to NCF two and a half years ago. I started here in January of 2020, and a few months after was the dreaded plague or pandemic uh, COVID-19 started. And that pandemic, as you guys all know, especially as New Yorkers who kind of bore the first wave of real hard COVID hit, uh, the pandemic caused a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of death. And in the church world, it was the same. Right? The pandemic also caused the closure or death of many churches due to the fact of membership drops or tithing drops. But God truly was with our community, with the NCF community. And I am ever so grateful. And I hope you guys are ever so grateful of that as well. Because even though we ourselves as a church had our fair share of hardships during that time, we also had a good 
time of growth. We had a growth in membership, a lot of new faces. Like I said, when I look around the room today, thankful for all the faces that I see, I think I can say that a good number of you started coming around the time I started or afterwards, meaning you've all started coming to NCF during the pandemic years. Right? It's hard finding a community, finding a new com community, belonging to a community, but we all know that it all starts from the invitation of someone to join them, right? Whether you have been to NCF for a few weeks, a few months, or a few years, or you've been here uh, for all of your life, we know that you all started coming here, whether from different life stages or different times, from the invitation of someone. Someone asked you, or majority of you probably was asked by someone to come and join us here. Right. And hopefully you come here not because of your friend only now, but you come here now because of your desire to grow in God, desire to deepen your faith in God, desire to, to bridge and build up more relationships. I hope you are here now to truly um, grow up with the gospel and go out with the gospel. That's one of our models here at NCF, that you guys are not just here to hang out, but truly develop into the Christian that you are so called to be. You know, when I first started here at NCF in 2020, uh, I was new to the church, so as I was starting meeting people, I asked them, oh, what are some uh, good things about NCF? What are some things that um, you like about NCF that you could share with me, you know? And I would say the majority of people mentioned the same thing, and that is uh, we stay here because we know every week that we come, we're going to be getting biblically-based gospel preached sermons. Like we love the sermons here. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. I'm glad I'm at a church where you guys love the sermons. I'm at a church where the Bible is being preached. And I think this carried on because a few months ago, we had a, uh, a kayak meeting and uh, we had a lot of newcomers. I asked the host, hey, can you share with the newcomers like what's a, a great aspect of our church? And the host shared, the same thing. Oh, you know, our church, everything's great. The people are great. But, you know, we have great biblically-based sermons, and the gospel is being preached. Pastor John gives amazingly biblically-based sermons and preaches the gospel each week. And then the host looked at me and said, and Pastor Charles also gives good biblically-based, all the pastors at our church gives good biblically-based preaching, and the gospel is being preached, right? And that's what we hope. And perhaps, and this is not to boast or to brag, but I hope maybe the growth that our NCF community was able to have even in these past few hard years because we are doing what God has called us to do or God showed us with the apostles, which is we try to preach the gospel every day, every time we meet together because this message is life-changing. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. It gives us peace, peace. And by sharing it, perhaps God added to our numbers, as we've seen in the book of Acts, happening to the churches there. The gospel needs to be shared in our lives. As Christians, it should not just be shared at the pulpit on Sundays by the pastors, but you also, you also need to be sharing it with those around you. 
not afraid of what may happen, but confidently knowing what your faith is and how it changed you and the power it has to change people, you need to go forth into the world and share it in the places that God has placed you in, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your schools. And this is what our passage tells us to do. In the verses preceding our main passage for today, we see a story of the apostles being arrested. And the reason why they are arrested is because the people loved the apostles. They went and they taught at the, uh, at the temples, and they taught and they healed a lot of people. And so the crowd was forming. Like, oh, these guys, they're able to heal us. And so they brought their sick to the apostles to get healed. And then the Sadducees and the Sand, they got jealous, right? Why are they going to these people? They're not coming to us anymore. And so the council had them arrested. They had a miraculous escape, but they were caught again and brought forth, brought back into, uh, an, into uh, the, the Sanhedrin, right? Right before that, right before our passage for today, in, in Acts chapter 5, verses 20 to 21, an angel of the Lord appeared to the people and shared to them, uh, appeared to the apostles, I'm sorry, and shared, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So even after they were freed from prison for speaking the gospel, they went back knowing that it could cause trouble once again. And they were caught, they were brought back, and now we're at our passage for today. And in verses 27 to 28, it reads, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The high priest was furious. He was upset. The apostles, who were all Jews at the time, would have fallen under the authority of the high priest, under the authority of the Sanhedrin. They had to follow the religious teachings of the Sanhedrin and what the high priest told them to do. And now they were not listening. Above that, the apostles are teaching, hey, these are the ones that hung and killed Jesus, right? He felt he was blaming, being blamed for the Jesus' death. And I have a question for you guys. If you have been charged, or sorry, has anyone charged you with not speaking about Jesus? Has anyone gone to you and said, hey, don't talk about Jesus to others? Has anyone forgive, forbidden you to speak and live out this gospel truth? Are you restricted in being a Christian in the world today? Are you threatened because of it? And I would say for the most part, nobody stops you from being a Christian in this world, right? Nobody says you cannot be a Christian. We live in America. You're allowed to be a Christian. You are allowed to live out this faith. You can, you're allowed to go, go stand on a corner and talk about Jesus, right? Nobody says you cannot. We have the freedom to share our faith and to live it out. Then my next question is, do you live it out? Do you live out this gospel? Do people know that you are a Christian? And if not, why don't they know that you're a Christian? Now, I would say, even though no one explicitly says we cannot live our gospel truth, the culture or the society that we live in, perhaps even being in New York, seems to say we need to put, kind of put it in the closet, 
right? That being a Christian now makes you the next target to be canceled because of media perception of what a Christian is, what we believe in, what we may have in our heart. The world doesn't know fully, yet they take a guess. And right now the climate that we are in is, is not that cool to be a Christian anymore. And so if, even if no one tells you, don't be a Christian, no one forbids you to live out your Christian life, we still hide it and we make it a background trait in our life. People don't need to know that I go to church on Sunday. People don't need to know that I go home and read the Bible, I read the Bible and stuff. I, it's okay, I'll just do it. That's just on me. Christian, did I just describe you and what you're feeling in the circles that you're placed in? And if this is tugging at you, and this is sort of true, is this the way that you should be living? This is the way that God called you to live. And Peter and the apostles answered this in the next verse. Verse 29 reads, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So even when the authorities, those who were hold worldly authority over the apostles said, don't do this, they're replying, well, God who holds eternal authority said, do it. So even if you say, don't do it, because I follow God, I'm going to do it. Right? Because what God says trumps what the world says. The life that God tells me to live trumps what the world says tells me to live, the life that I, I need to be living. Right? Even if culturally now we're in a sensitive time to be a Christian and to express our faith, if God says, do it, then as followers of God, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to display your faith. You're supposed to proclaim the gospel boldly. You're supposed to do it proudly, unashamed of who you are. Do not cower in fear because something may happen. Think about it. It's not against the law to be a Christian. People may hurt you, most likely not. So preach the gospel. But at the very least, live out the gospel message in your actions. Help people to see your Christianness. Right? Because as Peter put it here, we do not obey men, we obey God. If you're followers of God, you obey God. The apostles then go on to share this very gospel message in verses 30 to 32 saying, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. They share that God raised Jesus, whom the council killed. And I like this thing. Remember in verse 28, the high priest is like, why are you blaming me for his death? They're like, oh, because you did it. <laughs> you actually were the one that killed him. They are saying it once again to his face. It's your fault. Right? But this death was not the end. Rather, God exalted Jesus as a savior so that those who believe in him can receive forgiveness of sins. Do you guys believe this? Do you guys believe in this gospel truth? That the only way to heaven is believing in Jesus. The only way to get forgiveness of sins is through Jesus. And if that is the case, why do we withhold the truth from others? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah that died and rose again in glory to forgive you of your sins? 
Peter and the apostles end this message saying that they were witnesses to this. And that's how they're able to share. They're able to see it, and that's why they share, right? When you preach the gospel message, of course, you share the same exact story, that Jesus, being the Son of God, died and resurrected to save you and to forgive you of your sins. But also share what are some things that you have been witness to. What are things that God did in your life that you could also add to the story? For example, last week I shared in my sermon the story of my grandmother's passing. And at the end of her passing, she looked out a window. And according to her, she said she saw Jesus coming towards her, right? And I was only able to share that story with you guys because I was there and I witnessed this. I was there when my grandmother spoke those words. And because of those words, it, it, uh, it made me sure that nothing could separate me from the love of God, right? I shared that last week. So what are the things, the events in your life that you have been witness to of God's glory, of God's goodness, of the gospel truth, that if someone asks you, hey, why do you believe in this? Why are you a Christian? And you go from saying, well, this is the gospel message, da, 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 but also this is what I've experienced, how I've experienced God's love. Although right now, the apostles talked about the witness that they have of seeing Jesus hanging on the cross and dying. I'm pretty sure at other times they talked about, hey, you know, we're with Jesus and we fed like 5,000 people. Hey, we're on Jesus, we're on a boat, and a storm came, and then he woke up, and he calmed the storm. They didn't, probably didn't hide that. They probably did share that along the way because they were witnesses to those things. What have you been witness to that you can share? What is your story Verse 33 says, when they heard this, the council leaders, they were enraged and wanted to kill them, wanted to kill the apostles. For those who believe, for those who are chosen by God, the gospel story is freeing. It's life-giving. It's life-changing. It's peaceful and joyful. But for those who do not believe, it fills them with dread, with anger and rage. So do not be surprised if non-believers react to your faith in this way. They have acted this way from the founding of the faith. Non-believers have always been opposed to the faith. As the council leaders wanted to kill the apostles, a man stood up, a lone voice against this action. This man is named Gamaliel. In our story for today, we see just a short speech that he gives, and it sounds very reasonable, right? He was a prominent rabbi of the time. In the Bible, he's mentioned another time by the apostle Paul in Acts 22, verse 3. Apostle Paul says this. He says, I am a Jew, talking about himself, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. So this Gamaliel who stood up to talk about this incident, about what to do with these apostles in front of Sanhedrin, was actually the teacher of who would become Apostle Paul. When Apostle Paul says, hey, man, I'm, I'm a Pharisee through and through. I follow, I obey every law. It's because Gamaliel was his teacher. A hard, like the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? Following all the laws. He rose up and he said this, a well-renowned leader and teacher. Right? He, he mentioned so-called other uprisings that they faced. In verse 36, he mentions Judas, who was a revolutionary, Right? But once he died, everyone scattered. In verse 37, he mentions Judas the Galilean, who led a tax revolt. But when he died, everyone scattered. The basic argument he is making is, 
just like a good lawyer, and I know we have a lot of lawyers in here, he's saying every movement that has not been backed by God died down. When their leader was killed, the movement ended. Right? Jesus, their leader, is dead. So if this is not backed by God, this will also just burn out. It's just going to be another fad that fizzles out. But, but, he says in verse 39, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. If it is not backed by God, the movement will die. But if it is backed by God, you cannot win because you cannot beat God. And as a Pharisee who upholds the law, you might even be breaking the law by opposing God if you stop these men. What a what a great argument. I feel like I should approach everything in life like that. Hey, if, if it's not backed by God, it's, it's going to end, so why bother? If, but if it is, I can't stop it anyway, so just let it be. Right? And this argument convinced the council not to kill the apostles. Rather, it tells it in verse 40 that they were beaten. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The disciples were punished, but they did not lose their life. They're able to live another day to continue what they have been doing all along, which is to boldly proclaim Jesus to the people. They're told not to talk about Jesus, but very afterwards, they go and talk about Jesus once again. Verse 44 tells us nothing changed. It says, then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Instead of being discouraged for the beating that they received, they found it an honor and encouraged them. They're glad that they were counted worthy to face this trial for the sake of Jesus. Sometimes you face prejudice and harshness for being a Christian. And it can be discouraging. It can be demoralizing if you're the only Christian in your workplace and everyone talks a certain way, acts a certain way, puts Christians down. But try to see it at times like the apostles did. That it's an honor. It's something to be joyful in. I'm not saying that you should seek out hurt and pain. But if it comes your way for being a Christian, sometimes see it as you're doing something right. Biblical scholar F.F. Bruce says this. As for the flogging they had received, this did not dishearten them. On the contrary, they found cause for joy in the thought that God had counted them worthy to endure this humiliation for the sake of Jesus' name. It was insignificant indeed when compared with the disgrace and anguish that Jesus had endured. So it wasn't that the disciples were just happy that they were able to get beaten and like, oh yeah, I got beat up because I'm a Christian. It's saying compared to what Jesus had to suffer and go through for their sake, I'm willing to get beaten for it. I'm okay with it because Jesus had the ultimate humiliation. He faced the ultimate humiliation for my sake. Then what can I not go through for the sake of my Savior? Christian, it is hard being a Christian in this world at times. But what are some things that you cannot go through considering what Jesus has gone through for you? What Jesus gave up for you? And in verse 42 
It ends by saying, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They still went from the temple courts, the public sphere, to house to house, the private sphere, to share their faith and preach that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. And from the passage we read, we see the apostles preaching the gospel unashamed once again, even after the flogging they received. They share it while being threatened with their very lives. They trusted God would be there for them, even in the most frightening place at the feet of the Sanhedrin. Their faith did not waver, and they spoke boldly against their opposition. So my brothers and sisters, to you, I ask, are you boldly proclaiming your faith to others? Are you preaching the gospel to those around you? in words and in your actions. You know, in verse, 32, verse 42, it said, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I want to break down this temple and house to house for our community today. For us today, it means that when you come to church every Sunday, you'll always hear the gospel being preached from the pulpit. We can guarantee you on that. All the pastors in here will be preaching biblically-based, gospel-centered messages that's the highlight of sunday the word of god being preached and taught to you as it should be and then it says they went from house to house they went from house to house two things one is for us then we need to be teaching and proclaiming the gospel in our own households do you guys have time in your households to teach the bible together to learn about it together it doesn't matter if you're married with kids Married without kids, single living by yourself, single living with roommates, single still living with your parents and siblings. As a Christian, is the gospel being proclaimed in your household? Is it being taught in your household? For families, that may mean parents taking the time to lead your kids and teaching them about who God is. Perhaps the fathers could take up that charge, right? And we have a new pastoral staff that's going to help in that, our family pastor now, right? And if you live by yourself, if you're single, are you teaching and preaching the gospel to yourself in your own quiet times? Are you learning and relearning the gospel each day and making sure that you know it fully well and that it is changing your life through and through, right? And it says they go from house to house, right? They went from this house, they went to the next house, they went to the next house. And, you know, before COVID, we had a ministry that did this. Because of COVID, we are not going from house to house. What ministry am I talking about? Our Oikos ministry. Before I came on staff, before COVID happened, the Oikos groups would go from house to house, right? Like, who, who's hosting today? Oh, so-and-so's hosting. We're going to go over there. And we're going to go over here. And each group went to each member's houses, and they proclaimed the gospel there. You need to be a part of this, this house-to-house ministry. The Greek word for household, family, is oikos. Just like our oikos groups, our small groups, for those of you who are new here, right? We currently have eight groups that are meeting, right? And I am sharing this because a lot of people ask me how they can join oikos groups. During the summer, we are off, but we'll be picking it back up in September, right? Uh, we'll be making announcements of how to join, maybe in the, the next coming weeks. But this group gives you another night of the week to build community with NCF members, to be encouraged, to be refreshed, to learn the gospel, and to share it with each other, right? You'll learn things in your Oikos groups 
on how to build a gospel-centered community with our curriculum book, Gospel-Centered Community. You'll be reminded to seek God first with our curriculum book, Seek First. You'll learn to work and grow side-by-side side with our curriculum book, Side-by-Side. Side. You'll learn things you need to know with our curriculum book, Need to Know. You'll learn to, how to tangibly help those around you with our curriculum book, Tangible. It's so easy. We make it really easy for you guys. It's simple enough, right? Our OGs are also a great avenue to help you bring people to God. Right? the people that God has placed in your circles, right? For you to have a group to pray for those that God has placed around you, that you can invite to NCF. They may not be ready for Sunday service yet, but maybe they'll be more comfortable going to your own small group, your OG, maybe going bowling with them or going to a barbecue, having a barbecue with them, whatever, right? At the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned that God truly blessed our community, even during a global pandemic. We have seen many people walk through our doors and stay here, and most of all of you came through an invitation of a friend or because uh, somebody recommended NCF to you. Won't you then be the ones that go out and invite others as well, whether to Sunday service or whether into your OGs or a newcomer's barbecue, wherever it can be so that they can hear the gospel being preached, be changed, and go preach it themselves the gospel is amazing people grow from it and despite what the world says people still long for it it changes the world and it brings people to a right relationship with god no matter how much people try to squash it and they've been trying to squash it for thousands of years if it's backed by god nothing can overthrow it right and what's the result after our last verse for today verse 5 Chapter 5, verse 42, in the very next verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. By boldly proclaiming the gospel, the number of believers increased. And we hope still today that by faithfully preaching the gospel, the disciples will increase in number. We don't do it. We don't boldly share the gospel to grow just our membership here at NCF. We do it because God has called us to. And perhaps the growth is a blessed byproduct of faithfully carrying out God's call. So once again, then, what is this gospel? God created the world and all that you see in it. God created humans to live and to glorify him. But humans sinned, right? They fell short of the glory of God and broke that relationship that we had with God. We were separated. But God wanted to restore that relationship, or restore a right relationship with us once again. And so he sent his son, 100% God, 100% human, to come and die for us and resurrect for us so that we can save and restore the relationship with him so that all who believe in that will have forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God. That is the gospel message. The gospel message is powerful. It cannot be stopped, no matter how much people try to. Therefore, do not be afraid to share the gospel in your words and in your actions. Show the world your faith that you have. Preach and teach it wherever you go. We will do it here on Sundays. But when you go home to your families, preach it and teach it. In your own quiet times, preach it and teach it. In your group of friends, 
preach it and teach it. In your church groups, your oikos groups, preach it and teach it. Do not stop telling others and showing others that the Christ is Jesus. If you are paying for it, see it as an honor and go back and teach it again. For the gospel truth is of God and nothing can stop it. And that means nothing can stop you. Let's pray. Only Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do for us. And today, especially, we just thank you for the gospel truth, Lord Father, the life-changing gospel truth that's been bestowed upon us by the actions of your Son, sending him to die and resurrect for us, Lord Father. Lord, as our lives have been changed, as we have been chosen to be your children, Lord Father, help us to take that joy to those around us, Lord Father, and boldly proclaim your name and who you are and who your Son is to those around us, oh Lord. Continue to guide us and keep us always. We thank you. In your Son Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now at this time